0: Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. And you're in the last Transporter Room of 2020. It's the end of the year. Good riddance.
1: <laughs> what a long and strange trip. It's been, has been. yes. Yeah.
0: Say the Beatles. Yes.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: But you know, there have been bright spots. First of all, doing this podcast with you for 63 episodes now. That's been a pleasure. It's, you know, we have had a lot of success. We've traveled around the galaxy and interviewed all interesting people. And you know what we've never done, Carly? What haven't we done? We've never talked to co-founder Jim Bazinski in Los Angeles, California. Set coordinates. Let's beam him up and get him in here. Beaming up. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the I transporter room, Jim. Thank you so much. You know, Jim, we've had Sid Ziegler, we've had Alex Reamer, but we don't have you until now. And I'm really pleased to be able to introduce you to our listeners. Before we get into everything else that we want to talk about, let's talk about what's on Outsports today, which is the ultimate, the penultimate and ultimate Outsports Awards of 2020,
2: which you wrote. Um, I Well, I've written some of them this year, but uh, we started these years ago as sort of a Way to honor um, people of the LGBTQ sports community and to dishonor people who deserve to be dishonored with our coveted asshole of the year award. Um, and I don't know, this is maybe the 10th or 11th year we've done it, but uh, it's been been really popular and we have a great uh, group of, of people we've, uh, we've sort of already selected. So uh, what do we have, Male, male and female, Athlete of the Year. We have Zero of the Year. We have Person of the Year. We have Asshole of the Year. Transgender Athlete of the Year, which I think is a new category for us. It is. not, I, it, um, And uh, uh, yeah, we have female, male, non-binary. So we have how many awards do we have now? I'm losing nine this seven year, seven or eight, nine. Yeah, okay. We have, well, there you go.
0: Up from seven in 2019 to eight in 2020. We're up to nine awards. May not always be nine. It may change. Um, what I love though is that. Jim, Sid, Alex, and I unanimously chose this year's person of the year, Katie Sowers, the 49ers out coach who was the first out LGBT coach in a Super Bowl.
2: Yes, and she was also the first woman coach uh, in the Super Bowl. So she kind of had a twofer, and that was one reason that, you know, she was so historic. Uh, not just for her on sort of field presence, but the fact that I think that she she owned it. I mean, she did not shy away from the publicity. During Super Bowl week, she was, after the coach of the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, and their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, she was the most sort of sought-after interview. Uh, and she embraced that. She's been a big advocate of social justice, of inclusion in sports. She's been a huge role model for women who want to get involved in sports that traditionally they felt have been off-limits to them, like the NFL. Um, and she just she's been all-around terrific. And so she was kind of the, the no-brainer choice. It was our most read story of the year. It was a story after the Niners won the NFC Championship, and uh, I did a story simply on the fact that she was the first, um, you know, the first kind of a twofer. And it's kind of she kinda kind of took off. She's been in uh, at least two commercials. There was a Microsoft commercial and one for Frito Lay that kicked off the NFL season, where she's in her pajamas. Um, And she's, she's been wonderful. And she's a, again, she's, she's also been a very great advocate. So she was, it was kind of a no brainer, easy choice.
1: Jim talk to me about the male hero of the year, Kurt Walker, and a very deserving choice to say the least. In fact, all of the honorees this year, excellent choice. I can't, I mean, as a person who gave an opinion during this process, I can find a gripe with anyone. I certainly can't find a gripe with Kurt Walker for you, what what got what gave Kirk your vote?
2: Well, sometimes you sort of in your brain overlook certain people year after year because there's 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 somebody that has done something spectacular in a given year. And uh, Sid, I think, had brought up Kirk as like hero year. We never had honored him, and it was like here's here's the person who was, who was the very first Division One men's coach that ever came out on Outsports. Uh, and we've known him since we started in 99. We probably first met him, I mean met him online in like 2001 when he was at Oregon State as the head women's softball coach, and he wasn't ready to come out yet, and he came out in 2007 when I went up to Oregon and, and did an interview with him in conjunction with CBS News. We had a, for a while a partnership with him. And Kirk has been like a, a, a driving force with helping other LGBTQ coaches and athletes come out, and if they don't want to come out publicly, come out at least you know, privately in groups. He's uh, pretty much taken over the two Facebook groups, uh, the Go Athletes and the Equality Coaching Alliance that, that advocate for LGBTQ people in sports, and like, everybody knows Kirk, and he's just been a tireless advocate, and my idea for writing the story was, well, I'm not going to really write that much. I want to just get people's opinions, and so I reached out to... Nick Lee, who's a former Vassar tennis player, and said, Nick, can you put the word out that Kirk is our hero of the year? Try to keep it from him. I don't know whether or not we were successful. I haven't heard from Kirk yet today on the award, but, um, and I got like a dozen people immediately sending, you know, unsolicited testimonials about how fantastic it was. So to me, that was a sign of how important somebody is when they're gay men and they were gay women and they were transgender people. And they were by people, all sort of said the same thing, that Kirk couldn't have been more supportive, caring, a great role model. It just really inspired them to sort of, you know, kind of come out uh, and kind of live their own truth. And I just think he was sort of of a natural word, probably could have given it to him last year, the year before, the year before that, et cetera. But it's kind of fitting that it came this year when he's even reaching just a newer crop of athletes. And I think it's, like you said, it's deserving
0: and it's appropriate, and I'm really glad that we're able to do that. One of the uh, awards that I wrote up, I uh, wrote a few, Sid wrote a few, Alex wrote a few, uh, and you, of course, wrote some, uh, was the Asshole of the Year, which was easy to write because World Rugby just – I mean, they, they, they made a decision. They went out of their way <laughs> to be – Anti LGBTQ, specifically anti trans, this year. I did write about how, you know, everyone could pick COVID as, of course, the asshole of the year, but we sort of limit our categories to people with assholes. So uh, we chose (laughs) World Rugby. Um, In addition to that, uh, we have another new award this year, the Transgender Athlete Advocate. And this was something that we uh, talked about in terms of how do we recognize uh, the the courageous battle that trans people are constantly fighting. Um, we've had trans people win female athlete and female hero and male hero, and male athlete before. So it isn't like we need specific, specifically a transgender category. But I think this year it's important as um, Lindsay Hecox, who is the sort of poster child for the fight in Idaho for trans rights against the governor and the legislature there, to honor her and respect that Um, this is a struggle that we at Outsports support and hope that we are shining a light on.
2: Yeah, very, very well uh, deserved. And I do think that, I think that was the one who kind of maybe in our our Slack channel sort of suggested a transgender thing, because I do think that there's a moment in time and in history where you have to give sort of special recognition to various groups. And in this case, especially trans women who you know, athletically really are getting screwed. I mean, they, they're the only group of athletes I can think of the LGBTQ sports space that there's a deliberate, organized, political attempt to deny them the right to compete. No one says to gay men, we, we, we can't have gay men in sports or, you know, they can't play on a team. Everyone acknowledges that, but there is an organized effort to say trans women can't play the sport they, they want to play. And I think that, we've not seen that before. And I think we highlighting it, I think is very important for our website.
1: Jim, one, one I want to touch on, because we both covered this story was an award where one of the few times in my life where I can honestly say my mind was changed because I talked to another, because I talked to another wise voice in that. And that was the moment of the year with the San Diego loyal and what they did. And and what led me to write the column that I wrote on that in many ways was talking to you about this and getting, in a sense, a primer and a history on one, where our history, where our respective histories as people converge, but also learning about a history in sport, especially directly with gay men in sports that I may not have known as well. And I look at that. I mean, for you, what Galvin, what, looking at this and also knowing the history and, and living a lot of this history, what about that moment when the Loyal walked off the field? What about that moment spoke to you?
2: I think it's the fact that they were willing to put their principles and their support for a teammate in front of winning a game because they were kicking the other team's butt and they were going to, it was at halftime, they, they would have definitely won the game. And it was a unified effort, and that would not have happened X number of years ago. There would have been some, some way to sort of segregate that incident and sort of say, well, we have to keep playing that it up But the coach, Landon Donovan, who's one of the all-time greats in, uh, in U.S. soccer, basically along with the team said, no, fine, we'll, we'll take the forfeit if you know to sort of protest this really just shitty behavior towards one of our players who's openly gay, and that was Colin Martin. And so I think, to me, that's why that resonated, because it was like winning is everything in sports, especially in pro sports. And that's why a guy like Carl, you know, Landon Donovan was going to be hired or fired based on his record. So to willingly take a loss uh, through a forfeit, to me, was a really powerful statement that we would not have seen before. So that's why, to me, that really resonated, because it was like, whoa. It wasn't like they were losing 10 nothing, and you know then you could sort of say, well, the forfeit didn't matter. They were ahead. They would have missed the playoffs. I don't remember. Did they change the rule? I think they maybe a, a accommodate the, the standings for them, possibly because of the incident. But it was still it was a powerful thing. They were willing to give up a playoff spot and end their season right then, just to, as a sign of like, no, this is not acceptable. That's why to me that really resonated.
1: No, like that it for, I mean, it forced the change. It forced the change with the with the Phoenix team that was involved in it. I mean, yep. they're their manager their manager went from oh, this is no big deal to wait a minute maybe i need to learn something here and i mean that who knows this may be a catalyst for catalyst for change not only in that league not only in that sport but going as far as even our the the federate concacaf is even talking about changes because of this and i'll admit at first i was very critical of it because my old school sensibilities i'll admit would have said Okay, you, oh, you're going to you're going to slur one of our players fine. We're going to punish you on the scoreboard and then we'll punish you after. But this is very much the new school. People are saying, "No, we're going to force change in one way or another." That so in a lot of ways, I will admit it, old school sensibilities kind of wrong at this moment. The new school, the new school has a right idea here.
2: Go ahead, Jim. Well, well so the new school's idea in this case is we don't even want to play the game with you if this is gonna go on. You know, it's not even it's the game itself is painted if we're going to have these kind of things accepted. So that's where I think it was powerful, is it sort of setting out a new paradigm maybe for saying, well, no, we're gonna you know, if we have a if we have an openly gay, uh, you know, whatever uh LGBTQ player on our team, we want this game that this person to be we respected. We're not just gonna sort of let you get away with this crap uh like you could have you know in the past it's almost as if the game
0: is secondary now the the game used to be the paramount and now it's about respecting each other and about showing um decency for a fellow human being and i I like that and i endorse that and i'm really glad that we were able to tell that story and that both of you wrote excellent pieces about it but i want to ask you another story jim that this tulsi gabbard story how did that come about
2: uh we had uh, Bennett Scher who was a wrote a coming out story as a gay high school wrestler, was an intern for uh, Tulsi Gabbard's, uh She's a Hawaii, a former Hawaii rep, or she'll be leaving. She she's done. She she didn't run for re-election, so she she's going to be out of the Congress in a couple of days. Um, he was an intern for her last year and let me know that she sponsored this bill. That would change the definition of Title IX, the athletics uh, rule inv- involving a whole, whole sort of sexual, you know, basically it allowed uh, um, equality for women in, in college sports. Uh, and it would have changed the rule that only... How was it don phrase like you, you you could only compete in the gender sport of what you know you were given as you, when you were born, so basically, if you were labeled as a boy, you can only play, or a girl, you can only play in girls' teams and vice versa so basically it would have been, would have disallowed any transgendered woman from playing a female woman sport uh and it was pretty an audacious bill like came out of nowhere from Gabbard who had claimed she had been. Uh, you know changed on, on LGBTQ issues. and Bennett let me know that a group of the interns um, got together and wrote her a really very detailed, beautiful letter saying that this really shocked them and they wanted her to re- not order, to pu- publicly resend her support for this bill, which had no chance of passing, but it come up again and again. And I thought it was powerful that <clears throat> you know again you had a few out, you had a few out people on this list. Um, You know, sort of drive this thing. That no, the the boss they had respected had now done something pretty heinous in their mind. That was really, you know, disrespectful and and prejudiced. And you know, for what it's worth, they got their message out there. The bill's not going anywhere, uh, and there's no way it would ever be signed, ever be passed by a Democratic House, and ever would ever be signed by a, you know, a Democratic president. But it still shows the power of these kind of bills like you see, you know, in states like Idaho. And I, I think having the people that work for her kind of reach out and kind of call her on it, I think, again, was sort of a powerful moment that we probably wouldn't have seen in the past where they would have maybe just definitely never gone public.
0: You know, Jim, LGBTQ sports fans come in all types, including transphobes. We do get some pushback on this transgender issue and on social media and in emails. What has been your experience? You've been with Outsports since you started it, 21 years ago. How have you mm-hmm. dealt with the fact that there are people in our community who just won't get on that train, who won't ride with you uh, towards transgender inclusion? What's been your response and how you handled it?
2: I've always tried to be educational to people. They came after me as opposed to confrontational because I just learned that if you confront someone, they often will dig in even deeper. Even if you prove to them it's raining outside when they say it's sunny outside, that it doesn't care. They, it's almost like they, they dig in their heels because they don't want to admit, you know, they're wrong in that way. But if you can maybe educate them. And, you know, I've had some success. Some people have written back while well, I've really, you know, like I'll send them articles, stuff like that you've written or other people have written about the issues or now this letter from the this the, these interns, I'm going to use that as a template to say to people, well, here, you want to see a good description of, you know, why, uh, you know, why this stuff is is, is bad? Here's why. And, but it, it's gotten worse with the anti-trans people because it's mixed in now with, you know, what do they call the TERFs or something, T-E-R-F, right? It's just like, it's, they're so over the top that nothing's, that you almost are, I would say better off not arguing with them online because the argument will never end. Because no, they, keep the oh, they, they keep moving the goalposts. <laughs> the The latest post. is
0: that we're erasing lesbians by being trans. Um, yeah, lesbian so, women are, ex- so, are going yeah. extinct.
2: And so you're never going to change their mind. They're always going to move the goalposts because they have an agenda. And now that they have their own communities, I think it was the article in The Atlantic about that a couple weeks ago, like, you know, this thriving online community where they just basically... Reinforce each other's beliefs. So I kind of, you know, try to take a soft touch publicly on social media because once you start engaging, then of course you go down the rabbit hole and then your your feed is filled with nothing but back and forth and it just even not, it's just not worth it. But I hope these things don't have much legs. I, You know, I'm kind of, you know, I think with the new administration and some new leadership from the education department, Hopefully this stuff is going to be mitigated, but it really is a shame that just someone who says, I just want to play soccer, basketball, that no, you have to fight to do that. And nobody else has to do that in our society.
1: Uh, yeah, that seemed, I mean, in many ways, that's going to be some of the fights we're going to see in 2021. As we're talking right now, there are nine states that are looking at the type of legislation that Tulsi Gabbard attempted to put up. I now at the federal, at the federal level, this probably won't have legs, but a lot of state levels, unfortunately, it does. But in the sense is when you look at things like the quote unquote trans debate in sports, for Jim, for you, looking back at 21 years of this type of journalism and this type of advocacy involved in this journalism, in many ways, is this do you look at it and at times just say how much of this is history is just the cycle of history in regards to LGBTQ rights is just recycling itself. Again, what we're saying now is the same thing. How much of those thoughts come in your head when you see stories like say a Lindsay Haycox, for example?
2: Well, the, I mean, some of the, the players have changed, but some of the issues are always the same and it comes down to bigotry and discrimination. I mean, trans issues were non-existent in our first probably 15 years of writing letters. They just simply, there weren't, it, trans people weren't very visible in sports. It was simply nothing that people really talked about. I, it was a non-issue. The whole issue was, you know, basically, especially gay men playing sports. Well, now everyone sort of accepts that, even though I still get very frustrated that there's nobody out in men's pro sports. It's just still kind of amazing that heading to 2021, there's no out NFL players or, any of the other major sports, but now trans has become sort of the, the vehicle, I think, to separate people. And I think the, the right wing, or however you want to identify them, are using trans people as a way to drive, drive a wedge between trans people and, say, you know, the LGBT, LGBTQ part versus trans, because there are, unfortunately, some you know, gay, lesbian people that agree with uh, some of the, the, the positions the turf people take. But I think it's just it's still prejudice and and discrimination at the end of the day. And you know for anybody who's different in any way, and that's the way it's coming. And I do think, though that education does help. and which is why us writing articles and profiling people and doing features, you know and trying to educate is about the best we can do as journalists, because we can be advocates, but you can scream all you want to, but I think at the end of the day telling stories. And putting a face behind these people is the best way to sort of get people to say, you know, I get this now. I think one of the things that we as journalists, all three of us
0: understand, is that we like to ask questions. We hate to have to answer them. <laughs> but, Jim, I've got you on the spot. Would you share with our listeners, what's your coming out story? How did you turn out to be an out LGBTQ gay journalist?
2: Uh. I don't really have much of a dramatic story. I was pretty much totally clueless about my sexuality as a teenager, so I didn't have any teenage angst over it at all. I just wasn't interested in girls, wasn't interested in boys, just kind of like bopped through high school, not really thinking much about it. And then... started driving my you know a guy I knew from school back and forth to college each day and I asked him over once to watch Saturday Night Live and he came over and I guess that became our first date because we were together for nine years it was like and even then it wasn't a date it was like he came over to hung out with me then he was over every day at my house for like two years in a row and then one day he got drunk and kissed me and I was like okay well <laughs> I guess that's who <laughs> I am and so yeah, no. in a sense it was just rather boring I mean I didn't have that drama that a lot of people have because I wasn't aware of myself so in a sense that was a case where ignorance or sexual ignorance was total bliss because we're like I don't know oh I guess I like guys now uh and then as a journalist I just I came out um I came out when I got a job in 1987 as a sports editor at a paper in suburban LA and the Long Beach Press-Telegram I decided I was going to simply you know be open to people that You know, in my small circle, and I came out once. You know, every little bit at a time. And in 1990, I was raising money to send my uh, gay flag football team to the gay games in Vancouver, where they had football for the first time. And I sold T-shirts at my at my newspaper specifically to help me raise money. So that was my way of coming out. And everybody I asked bought a shirt. So that was sort of like, including my then boss, who has turned out to be the biggest right wing fox you know like he went from this reasonable guy i knew who was pretty conservative to this total like foxy (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. i haven't been in contact with him in a few years but even he was like i don't care you know you're i I love working with you and so and then i was started to start it because Sid and i just wanted to screw around and write a they don't even they didn't even have blog blogs weren't even called blogs then just start our own website, talk about, you know, two gay guys talking about sports. And it sort of just organically went from there. I mean, in a sense, it was all a matter of just luck and just kind of, you know, stumbling along without any great vision. And then once we got bought by Vox in 2011, it became a more professional site. Although I think the journalism has always been professional from day one, even if the, if the layout was pretty much amateurish. Jim, with that in mind,
1: and now you've got now not only do you have a, a beautiful looking site, you have a you've got a staff, you've got one of the best managing editors in the business. Oh, come and, on. Come you, on. Oh, <laughs> oh, come on. You can bust your arm. Come on. Come on. You can be the diva right now. I'm yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. just, just the <laughs> question. <laughs> and and Jim, before I ask this question, I want to say thanks to Outsports because Outsports in many ways grabbed me off the scrap heap and gave me a new byline again, and I appreciate it. But Jim, we're at, we're at year 21. As we head into 2021 and beyond, where would you like to see OutSports go?
0: And we'll get Jim's answer right after this. You're in the Transporter Room. Welcome back to the Transporter Room with Carly Webb, me, Don Ennis, and our guest, Outsports co-founder Jim Pazinski. Jim, tell us that answer. Where do you see Outsports in 2021?
2: I just, I really just wanted to tell as many stories of people, and especially people who are out already, and we've already profiled, and I know we started to do more of that, because I do think sometimes you do these stories, and they're one-offs, and then we never really follow up. And I think telling stories of people who are already out is just as powerful because it means, oh, there is a feature after you've sort of come out once. You, you can continue to be an out LGBTQ person in sports where maybe that isn't your defining issue every day, but everybody knows. And it makes it easier for you and it makes it easier for other people to see that, oh, now I, I, I want to get into sports administration. Oh, there is this guy at Stanford who's openly gay, or there's this woman at you know, the New York Knicks or something And I think those things are really powerful, people to be able to see, identify people in jobs and professions and sports that they themselves aspire to. So I do think I just want us to continue to kind of raise those kind of issues, because I do think those kinds of stories really are affirming to people, and I think we've always been at our best when we're affirming. I think we have to cover the controversies, and we still will, but I think... You know, just to tell more stories, like I think we have one, uh, we had one coming up, uh, or maybe it's already been posted, Don, about hockey players. It was, ho- there was a, like a lot of hockey players came out in 2020. for yep, some. Yep, that's coming out today. Yeah, And it's like that's a, you know, that, that's something that, that's unusual. And I think that's all going to lead to more hockey players coming out. Um, and then it's an Olympic year. So if there are an Olympics with the vaccine, maybe there's a good fighting chance we'll actually have an Olympics this summer um we hope we can have a record number of out olympians um that may have been changed by the pandemic and rules on eligibility so some of the you know like a robbie manson the new zealand roller rower who was probably a gold medal contender just kind of retired from the sports for now so you know uh, i don't know what's going to happen olympics wise but it will be a good year to to learn about a lot more people who are out and they can
0: through your coming out stories that you edit, the being out stories that you edit. And you inspired us to have our contributors connect with previous out athletes uh, in the out in the world segment where people, you know, find an athlete who we haven't talked about in a while and find out what they've been doing. Um, before yep. we go, would you tell everyone um, what was your idea for the being out and coming out and how uh, they can get in touch with you? Should they want to, after hearing this, tell their story?
2: Well, the easiest way is to simply, you know, email us at uh, be outsports at gmail.com, or you can go on the website and find my personal email, which I don't even want to spell it now because you probably write it down wrong, but it, I mean, we'll put it on find our social, don't outsports. worry. <laughs> um, and yeah, then with, with coming out story, basically I tell the athlete, you write and I edit, and then we find a version that we like. And being out, I have a, a list of uh, a new new crop of people I'm doing, um, you know, that are coming up. Um, just kind of just contact us. I mean, a lot of people feel their story isn't important because, oh, it's boring, or I don't have any issues. Well, I tell people that those stories are just as valuable because not every story has to have high drama. Um, in a good way, the fact that you had a positive coming out experience and things went well for you, that should be celebrated. So I, I think there's no stories too small. There's no sport, there's no athlete that we consider, oh, that, who cares about that? Because to that person, their story and their personal journey is the most important thing. So, I mean, we'll celeb- we celebrate everybody and we don't, you know, we don't play favorites. Courage is well,
1: contagious. <laughs> yes, it is. Yep. I can tell you, it was one of my, perhaps the best work I did this year, in my mind, was in the Jim Budzitsky tradition, was a coming out story. And I just love, I always liked them. Even before I started writing for the site, I read the site. I always liked, I always liked the fact that this humanized the issue. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that's the biggest thing is that it, it didn't see it as this nebulous thing, but no, this is a person with a life and ambition and a dream. And yes, coming out and being out was a part of that. I'll tell you, it was in a lot of ways, seeing all these coming out stories, that influenced my own coming out process and told me that, no, not only can you be out and can you be and be proud and be out, you can be competitive, proud and out as well. And you can still play and there's a place for you.
2: Well, I want, I I want you, uh, I'll challenge you as journalists to do more of those stories in 2021, because as you know, they're really, they're fun to do to begin with. And you get to talk to some amazing people and, you know, write stories that really impact people.
0: Jim Bazinski, co-founder of Outsports, a out proud gay man, a Los Angelino, and uh, just someone who I'm very proud to call a friend. Thank you for joining us in the Transporter Room.
2: Oh, I'm so glad I was your your final guest of the year. That was that, that's an honor.
0: <laughs> and we will have you back. I promise. In 2021, setting coordinates for L.A. Beaming Jim back down. Thank you, Jim. And we're looking forward Thank to you. a great 2021. I'm so glad Jim agreed to join us. And now we've talked to
1: all the big muckety-mucks. <laughs> and, and one of the big muckety-mucks hosts this show. So this is Oh, perfect. I'm <laughs> just the managing editor. I'm just, you know you know how I am? I'm
0: the girl who collects your ticket when you get on the train. That's all I am. I'm just the girl who collects your ticket and punches the ticket. And then we move on. Everybody else. Drive the train. I just make sure we get there on time. That's all. So I've been binging Fringe over the holiday season. This was a 1990s sci-fi fantasy metaphysical investigation crime show that I just loved. And the most amazing thing is that it's by J.J. Abrams and some of the people who are now making Star Trek Discovery. Alex Kurtzman, Akiva Goldsman. And I just love Fringe, and I've just been enjoying it all over
1: again. What have you been binging, Carly? I've been honestly, I've been like, I've been loving the D- Discovery. Blew me away. You were right about that. Let's just get that out of the way now, because I one thing I'm loving about the all the new Star Trek content that's coming out is. How how well how much they're integrating in what was and how well they're how well they're giving it a new spin and they're giving it a fresh look. I didn't see the Guardian of Forever coming. Oh, that was such I a did mind not blur. see that
0: coming. I thought Q. I, heard- I thought it was Q, but Carl was Q.
1: Yeah, I thought honestly. I thought that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I saw that, I was like, whoa! They went all the way back in the crates for this one. And it was well done. It wasn't schlocky. It was, it was well put together. I mean, that's been the biggest thing I've been looking at. That I'm going to look at. I'm going to give Fringe another look now that you now that you see it. Now that you've grabbed onto it, one thing I've noticed is that Alex Kurtzman's been doing a lot these last like ten years or so. Everything, Everything I just about everything I've really liked has had his fingerprints on it. Very true. Very true. And re- I mean, in fact, I'm. I, I I will admit, I'm binging one of his earlier creations. I'm starting from the beginning. The reboot. He the reboot that he co-produced on Hawaii Five O. Let that end it this year? Yeah, yeah. I I and I
0: really liked. I really liked that. I really did. I really liked Hawaii Five O. The reboot. Um, the other thing that I would like to talk about before we go, we're running out of time. We only have a few minutes left. I would say that. If you are going to watch Star Trek Discovery for the very first time, don't worry about just jumping in. This week's episode is a great episode to just jump in and check it out. It's action-packed, and it's all about the fight to regain control of Discovery. It's a really classic trek episode, and you're gonna love it love it oh, love it love and it i'm
1: gonna like then I'm gonna like this already, but then again, I've liked the whole thing from the beginning I mean that is i mean discovery is putting itself in there with the great with let's just say it's gonna wash if if you have a bad taste from your mouth, like my roommate for example, who has a bad taste in their palate from Star Trek Enterprise, mm. I Discovery liked Enterprise. I know. And it wasn't perfect, I liked that's Enterprise, for sure. too, but a lot of people... It wasn't
0: perfect. Were... I know. So, let me really ask you... My me out on Christmas Eve because oh, I said no. I liked Enterprise. No! Yeah. That's
1: yeah. terrible.
0: <laughs> and you cooked a meal and everything for them. That's terrible. Yeah. So, Carly, I have to ask you, what's your New Year's resolution for 2021?
1: To, to, be, be, to become more organized? To... I mean, it's really three pronged on one end to become number one, to become more organized number two, to get myself into the into the, into the streaming world. Yeah. Carly's going to be streaming next year. And my third thing. Yeah. And, and my third thing is to main is to mainly less debate, more humanity. In, in terms of the journalism, especially the journalism I'm going to be doing it out sports. Not saying I'm not going to be covering the controversy because we have to do it; it's our job. But I'm going to seek out and look for more. I'm going to look for more stories that put a human fit fe- that continue to put that human face on the issue, and not dry- and not give so much oxygen and so much mic time to the turfs, the transphobes, the bigots. They already suck up too much oxygen. Yep. I and that's tell, very similar I to mine. Tell, Good. Yes. I want to tell the joy, the joy of being an athlete, the joy of being part of this, part of the our rainbow family, and the joy of being trans and those things. Because we get so much into the tragedy porn in our stories and get into the medical part of our stories. I want to tell the humans. I want to tell more of the human side of, of our story, including next year telling my story
0: looking forward to it in a nutshell mine is to stay healthy and get healthier i've been running a mile every day on my treadmill i am not ready for the 5k carly but i am (laughs) working on becoming a healthier woman and i think that'll help me be a happier
1: woman and i just want to wish you a happy new year and all our listeners too same to you and i'll tell you what in 2021 when you're ready for that 5k i'm going to coach you Okay. Happy New Year. You too. Live
0: long and prosper. See you in 2021, Carly. Got it steady as she goes.